We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in, folks. This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast for NFL Week 17. You know what that means. It's championship week in a lot of fantasy leagues and best ball tournaments, all that stuff. So pretty important week. We're going to dig into all that here. Let's start the show. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Championship Week across the fantasy landscape. I'm your host, John McCackney. That is Mario Puig. Mario, what kind of intrigue do you have personally going into this last weekend of, of the uh, fantasy season? Um, Nothing really. I don't know. Uh, no championships? Just... No, I was in um, three leagues, I guess. If you, uh, yeah, three leagues and um, I think it was like third, fourth and uh, don't know what... Scott Fishbowl one was I kind of stopped paying attention because my, my quarterbacks got nuked but um yeah it wasn't in uh, a whole lot else I uh let's see I'm in like a kind of home league that, that I made the championship in um, I'm still oh, bitter nice. about this other league that I'm in where I had the most points for but I, I missed the playoffs by half a game so that that was fr- frustrating um but Same. I I did punch a ticket for the the DraftKings best ball finals th- this weekend. One of my teams nice. finally f- found its way. A, a team that had Daniel Jones as its quarterback one ha- has found its way uh like a like a rose spouting or a sprouting up uh through a sidewalk. Uh truly uh, amazing testament of will and resolve from from that collection of players. And you understood that quarterbacks don't matter. I can have a Daniel Jones. He can be, you know, the worst ever, get hurt, whatever. doesn't matter. Quarterbacks don't. And uh, your roster is proof of that. that that's right. I, I got alphas everywhere. I got Laporta, Kittle, uh, McBride. Uh, so, so I like to run a little 12 personnel out, did they out have, there. Uh, did they have like um, 25 rounds in those or something? Was it a little bigger than the underdog ones? It was bigger than underdog, but not that much. I think it was 20. 20? Okay. Yeah, I my main takeaway from this year is I think that we need to make 30 rounds the norm. for, for That should be like standard best ball draft because uh, 
how many injuries there are nowadays it's like man i, I gotta i gotta for, for when inevitably two-thirds of my teams go down with nick chubb and jk dobbins i need to have like a running back seven that i can pick you know exactly so uh, and you know you would have been paid handsomely a little bit for chris rodriguez last weekend you know for for example <laughs> so um no i i think they need to to depth uh add some depth for for that exact reason because yeah my underdog results were disappointing because you know you have shorter rosters and and you lose a guy that you take in the first two three rounds or first round and and you know a lot of instances a lot of teams with justin jefferson w- weren't able to hit their ceiling uh because he missed so much time it's just like there, there's no there's no bouncing back and therefore like the the skill element of best ball gets kind of dragged into more of like a war of attrition than like drafting an actual good team you know yeah it's about more like limiting and managing liability than it is guessing which players are the best ones like uh yeah so, so you'll see that there are some uh, very successful best ball players who have remarkably bad uh player takes and it's basically because it's like when you do big volume it's more important to not do stupid things like i do uh worth going like way overboard in uh exposure rates and then uh it's 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 like the key is to have your highest owned player be like 18 percent exposure whereas my highest owned player is going to be like 72 or something stupid yeah exactly because we, uh, gotta we dive in with both feet right yeah and, i uh, uh, gotta stop doing that <laughs> But my my downfall on underdog, in addition to, you know, we're both Chubb and Dobbins guys, um, but I I talked about it and I I apologize to any listeners that that really tailed me on it. But I was obviously huge on Chigo Conquo and I liked I liked the theory of Damian Harris a lot, um, but um, he gets hurt. James Cook ends up doing so much better than anyone really could have anticipated people kind of got bailed out. I, I thought that, you know, and I think we were in lockstep where like him being an eighth round pick based on his track record w- was nonsense, but you know, he ends up paying off for that pr- pretty significantly. So that those kind of sunk some of my teams, but um, oh well, um, but we're going to, we're going to go ahead and uh, get things going for this week. We got a lot to get to um, gra- grab a few questions off the rip here because it is championship week. Uh, DK Metcalf or Amari Cooper this week. Uh, what's the latest with Cooper? Uh, is he um, injured? I, he was he was dealing with a heel, and I, I guess he plays tonight, so that uh, that's not great. But it looks like he's hopeful to play he as today. To me, um, I'd probably hmm. that is tough. If he's in, I think I have a hard time. Benching, no, I gotta go with Metcalf. Sorry, it's it's a it's a tough one. I know with uh, Cooper playing like he has, it's just uh, I think the Jets' defense is just intimidating enough. Between you know the injury and the short week, also, I, I think I'll lean Metcalf there, but uh, not not yeah. like fiction or anything. Yeah, we we have that you know pretty much lined up where uh, Metcalf wide receiver eleven, Cooper. Uh, wide receiver 13 so so you do have some backing there for from jeff's rankings um let's keep going here uh derrick henry or ty chandler that that that's a real nfl week 17 question is it not yeah um let's see uh 
that, that's 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 a difficult one mainly because of what happened the last time the Titans and the Texans played but uh I don't know I'd probably just go with Henry because I don't I'm not convinced that Chandler uh assuming Madison didn't aggravate his ankle I'm not convinced Chandler holds on to that uh but it's a fair fair you know it's it's fair to go with with Chandler there since the the matchup is so much better and since uh Henry did so badly the last time they played the Texans and the Texans run defense has been really good all year no exactly um so I, I think Henry Henry's probably the the way to go but it, it's it's tough of course Chandler's been been playing well um and Brown's D obviously tonight against the the Jets at home or the Broncos defense against the Chargers I, I think even still, I, I'd probably lean uh, Browns here. Yeah, I'd go with the Browns. Uh, that's that's a tough defense, and the the Jets, um, you know, Trevor Simeon. Their offense, yeah, yeah. Trevor Simeon. Like that, Easton Stick is bad, of course, but um, I, I think I, I like Simeon's worse. Simeon, yeah, uh, he should have been selling insurance all these years. It's it's a it's an actual travesty that he ever was drafted. Yeah, out, outrageous. Um, and, you know, on the Broncos front, would anything surprise you at this point? I mean, they, they just lost to the Patriots, like, at, at I home. I mean, it's all very funny. Uh, I don't think it's great for the team morale or anything. The Benching Russell Wilson, even even though I'm sure he's not uh, the most liked teammate, it's just everybody there probably feels like they're a part of a circus right now. And, uh I don't know. I guess I guess some people would say would see that and be like, "We got to prove that we are not clowns. This is our chance to prove it. We got to work real hard." But I'd be way checked out if I was them. So, um, but I guess uh, I guess it depends on how much those the, the Chargers players like that uh, up jumped special teams coach interim guy uh, that I can't mm-hmm. remember the name of. Uh, if they if they love that guy, I mean, maybe maybe they uh, maybe the Chargers just would want it more in this game. But either team is just kind of busted. It, it's hard to see like a positive case for either team winning. It's just kind of like which one of them will, will fail slightly less rapidly than the other. Yeah. The, the AFC West is just kind of a hellscape. We'll, uh, we'll grab one more here before we, we got to dive in. Um, who would you start as your flex Zeke Pickens, Jordan Addison or Mostert? Um, as weird as it sounds, uh, I feel like Zeke is my lean because, um, you know, Ramondre's done, done for the season. Um, the, the Patriots, uh, I'm blanking on their, oh, they have the bills. So they're going to be on the road for that one. That, that definitely is tricky, but I, I just think that there's enough usage upside for, for him. And the matchup isn't quite as concerning to me as, as it is for, for Mostert, who I think is a little bit dinged up having to go up to Baltimore. Do we know how dinged up Mostert is? Cause he's, he's been playing through the knee thing for a couple weeks now. Um, oh, I guess he's got an ankle now too. Hmm. I get me personally, I'd have trouble leaving Mostert on the bench if Mostert's playing. So uh since they don't have to make the call today, right? None of these guys. Right. Okay. Yeah. Since they're not making the call today, I guess uh I would I would like to leave myself the escape hatch from Mostert if he turns out to not get practicing soon. But if, if Mostert's looking good, I would probably go with him. Okay, I, I like that. I mean, the the Niners were able to move the ball on on Baltimore. It was kind of like garbage time setup, but um, the the run defense is good, but not like outrageously so. Um, and they're they're going to be more gotta, focused on slowing the pass. I I would imagine. Yeah, they're going to probably have to 
give more of like a cushion than they normally would like to. And uh, if if they if the trade off is you know five yards to Mostert versus whatever can go wrong with Hill, then you're letting them take that five yards. Right, exactly. Um, before we get into this week's slate, we got a quick message from our friends over at Circa. Get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Massive screen, booming game sound, and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the house with sun in the sun with day beds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more, or touchdown at the world's largest sports book, Circa Sports, for the big game bash. Three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Little anecdote, I was actually at Circa like less than 48 hours ago, and I was in the sports book. Uh, can attest, really, really big screen. So you can watch a lot of sports on uh, on the screen in their sports book. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bars, stadium-style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th, the big game parties only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve today at CircaLasVegas.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I, I pretty much just went to Vegas for a layover so I could get status on, on Delta uh, th- this week and uh, a successful four hour trip into the uh, into into the circus sports book and in the casino did not do so great at the casino at the blackjack table, but I uh, had a lovely time at Circa. Uh, n- nonetheless, kind of a wild move for me to just do that. But I had some time. It's holiday week. So 
went for it. Um, let's let's drive let's dive in, Mario. We got Jets Browns tonight. Jets are seven and a half point underdogs on the road. Browns are rolling. So I'm I'm gonna ask a, a kind of bigger picture question here before we dive into the specifics for this one. Are the Browns like the most dangerous team in the AFC right now? I guess so. It's a pretty busted looking conference right now. So I don't want to make them sound, um, or I don't know the, the, the Ravens, I guess are looking better than they, than they were uh, before the 49ers game. So I don't mean to like skip them or the dolphins, but I don't believe in the bills. I I would take the Browns over the bills. I take the Browns over, um, whatever. Is there chiefs. anybody else even? Uh, yeah, certainly the chiefs. Um, just crazy. Uh, it's like, and it's specifically, I'm like, because Flacco's uh, just way better than Mahomes uh, right now. It's, it's, he is reason. right now. It's uh, it's not. I mean, Flacco still sucks. It's just it's hilarious because he he's like he's doing he's he's fitting just well enough. Uh, he he didn't need to do a whole lot, or at least he um. It was okay that he's turning the ball over kind of rapidly. If as as long as he extends as many drives as he has, and uh, you know throws as many touchdowns as he has. But uh, yeah, it's like there's there's just something about the way Flacco fits in that offense where he plays just well enough to keep them moving the ball consistently and getting to like 70 plays a game, 70 plus plays per game. And um, that's something you can only do if you're actually getting first downs in in important, you know, in, in helpful situations. So there's there's something actually solid. There's there's something like well founded to the way that that team is built and they're not winning from you know, for fluky reasons or for luck related reasons, it's just kind of the math actually checks out as long as, you know, as long as they have Cooper. So I'm, I'm a little concerned for them in this game. If Cooper can't make his, his customary impact because the Browns defense is, is great. Of course. And I, I guess you'd say that the Browns defense versus the jets offense has a greater advantage than the vice versa, but Flacco could still throw like four interceptions in this game because the Jets defense is just kind of gnarly and you know the short week probably is not going to make it any easier on um, e- either or any passing offense in that situation. So I can imagine the Jets defense making this a, a, a tough game because um, it, it, I just don't think uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's a given that Flacco is in the generally good situations that he has been in to this point. And uh, yeah, with that, I, I could imagine the, the the turnovers proving more costly than they have in some other recent games. That's certainly on the table. You know, he's he's thrown what ten touchdowns in, in his starts, but he's thrown seven interceptions or, or something along those lines. So the the turnovers have definitely been there, and you know, the Jets could, could theoretically cause more turnovers and also you know make them pay for it a little bit more, but. I don't know. There's something about this Browns team. It seems like they're playing with like the freedom of of like not being weighed down by crazy expectations. Because you know, once Watson gets ruled out for the season, it's like, well, they must be toast. And they've found a way to win since then. They, they've banked some impressive wins. I mean, they they just went in wreck shop against uh, Houston last week. They beat the Jags pretty good. Um, as well, I know the Jags came back late in that one, but they had a huge the, lead. The so. only thing is, those teams suck, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. uh, I know that they were supposed. And Houston, if they have Stroud, is a very different question. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, the Jags suck. So um, I, I think it, Flacco is good enough for the Browns, and all the all the general things 
uh, that, you, that you said about them and what they're doing is is certainly true. I just think, at the very least, this Jets matchup is is the toughest one that that Flacco has seen. And um, if he can keep doing the same things against this defense, then that would be you know um, a new level of impressiveness for him, d- despite how impressive he might already be otherwise. No, it, it, exactly. So this this game will, will oddly enough be be telling. It's it's our last Thursday night game of the year, and w- what more fitting way than just a blah matchup <laughs> like the like this one? Um, our our loyal listener uh, Master has an important quarterback question for us, so I want to get to that. If no Trevor Lawrence this week, his options are Baker, Jake Browning, Kyler Murray, or Derek Carr. Oh boy. Um, so the one that I want to say is Kyler, but I can't tell if I'm just being. Uh, they're in, they're in Philly. I, I know like Kyler has been okay, but uh, I guess that pass rush is probably going to crush that offensive line. It's just that. Um, so I guess uh, would, would you otherwise be thinking uh, Mayfield, John? I, I think I would. Um, you know, and so, someone mentions in the chat, you know, worried about a little trap, a little regression um, against the Saints. But I don't know, like the the Bucks are almost like the um, like the NFC version of the Browns. Like they're just they're playing freewheeling. They're playing well. They're dangerous. Uh, they they kind of got a chip on their shoulder. Baker certainly does. And, um, you know, he's playing extremely well right now. Saints defense having to go to Tampa Bay. I think Baker would would be my choice. I, I think Browning, like the the Blooms, probably off the rose a, a little bit. Yeah, no you Browning. Can't, you can't start him confidently in a uh, championship setup. So I, I think um, for for floor and ceiling reasons, Baker, uh, floor maybe Murray because of the the rushing upside. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. That's that's tough. Uh, for as far as Baker's case goes, it's it's worth mentioning. Marshawn Lattimore appears to still be out. And if Lattimore is out, uh, not to make Paulson Adebo sound like he's easy to beat or something, but it, it, it helps Mike Evans's projection anytime that Lattimore is out. And uh, yeah, it looks like he'll be out for this one. That uh, That's huge. And we don't get a fight between him and Mike Evans. That's too yeah, bad. He doesn't get uh, eliminated from the game. So yeah, that's, um, that's like 80% of the reason to, to watch this matchup most years in the post breeze era but oh well that's because baker mayfield's so good it is it what a world um beyond that as far as the the browns jets game uh we're probably not expecting a ceiling type of game from from Brees hall but you still feel pretty good about him this evening um (sighs) not good but you gotta play him kind of thing i I, I would say okay and then I, i guess garrett wilson would be the only other one where you might be slightly on the fence depending on on how loaded your receivers are yeah, just ex- he's exactly the wide receiver version of the Hall question. It's like so frustrating because because the players are so good, but it, it's it is difficult to quantify just how much is working against them at the moment. Uh, I uh, I characterize Garrett Wilson like you know a, a star player, a star receiver like him uh, doesn't usually kind of have this type of perception, but with everything that's gone. Ag- against his favor this year with Aaron Rodgers going out immediately having to play with Zach Wilson and and Tim Boyle I would say that like Wilson has been like the fantasy equivalent of like a hard hat guy this year like he he has found a way to to go to work every single week and and produce 
despite just like absolutely nothing else going on around him and, and you know, no other threats to kind of take the, the pressure off of him. But he's a lunch pail guy. He, he gets the, the grit coin from me. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, uh, it's, it's, um, it's like 14 targets a game. So he's, he's, uh, obviously got a lot working against him, but he's, he's good enough to draw the targets. And that's uh, usually the most important thing. It's just, he's, he's quite literally probably like only 60% the efficiency that he should be at, you know, in a normal year. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, you know, the returns haven't been phenomenal, but like, it could have been a lot worse, basically. Um, so, yeah, thankfully for the usage, uh, it's worked out. Um, let's get on over to Saturday. We got one game on Saturday. We got the Lions and the Cowboys. Cowboys at home. Uh, four and a half point favorites in this one are the Cowboys. That's seen some pretty significant movement, if, if memory serves. Uh, this was six and a half earlier this week. Is there any injury-related things going on with Dallas, or, or has the market just swung this much? I'm looking at the injury report right now, and um, I don't know what would have changed exactly. I guess if I had to speculate, that, uh, if it if it is something based on that, it looks like Tyron Smith might be out again, and it looks like he, the guy who replaced him, Adoga, who's listed as a guard, but I'm pretty sure he was lining up at left tackle last week. He showed up as limited in practice yesterday, Wednesday. So I don't know if um, if he misses practice today, then that would mean maybe that Dallas is looking at their third string left tackle. But that's that's the only thing that I could I can find that you know would possibly be different than previous assumption. Okay, so even st- that's that's still not like two full points. Yeah, to- against this uh, Lions pass rush, I'd, it's like that. It's uh, it's not good to have to play your third string left tackle but if you're going to play your third string left tackle it's good to play him against the you know teams like the falcons and the lions who don't really get to the pass rush uh don't really get to the quarterback um i'm uh maybe it's just the 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 dallas road narrative has gotten into the public such that like the, the the spending was just more on the lions than expected i'm not that's that's what i would actually guess if anything uh i think that might be a mistake because yeah, Dallas is worse on the road than they are at home, but the Lions were pretty overrated most of the year, I think, and some of some of Dallas's strengths just sort of line up well with with the Lions' weaknesses. And specifically, Dak Prescott having a bad game here seems pretty unlikely. So uh, I'd have to think that as long as Dak is going, that's what the pass rush needs more the Dallas pass rush needs more than anything is like the setup where they can just kind of cut loose and just sell out against the quarterback uh they tried to do that against Buffalo all game and they got you know annihilated on the ground for it but if you're running if you're running those same blitzes if you're calling those same defensive plays up seven to ten points the result is very different so uh I think Dak will roll and that's the I think that the key to getting everything else to fall into place yeah, it's it's funny how NFL analysis for, for on like a team level, it's like you're either the best team in the league or you're a fraud. And it's like I, yeah. I don't I, and ever every week has seemingly produced uh, a, a supposedly good team and, and changed the perception to other oh, frauds. And, and Dallas has certainly gotten the, the brunt of that these last two weeks. And I don't know if they can win a Super Bowl, but I'm more in on them. 
than I have been uh, in in recent years. Um, I, I really I see the vision. The offense is explosive. The defense is, is very opportunistic. I think it's a good team, and at home, I think that like they're basically going to be able to to pass the fraud torch back to the Lions because the Lions haven't really had to hear it for for a oh, couple crap. Of weeks. I'm stupid. Uh, I, I I was I was misreading that as as Dallas being on the road. I have no idea why that line is changing at all. It's uh, yeah, they, they should be totally fine in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think Dallas like crushes to the point where I'm I would consider like taking an alt alt line. You can tell I'm in Maryland because I can I can bet from my phone and and think about oh, nice. these things a little bit more regularly. So it's like huh, alternate if, spread on the Cowboys. If we're talking specifically the spread rather than you know the winner, I can imagine going at the Lions plus six just because of how much they run the ball and maybe you know wear out clock a little more quickly on their successful drives than most teams but that's the, that that is actually the only thing i can think of now yeah i i, I can't quite get there with, with and the that james cook game one. that's what it, it has to be that it's like the james cook big game lions running team assumption being and maybe it is right i don't know uh definitely dan quinn needs to do a better job than he did against buffalo or jameer gibbs can do a hell of a lot more damage than even james cook did no, that yeah, Gibbs is outrageous right now. He's he's running, running pure. Um, let's get on over to Sunday. Ravens Dolphins, pretty big game, pretty pretty big. I mean, uh, if the Ravens win, I believe they they clinch the one seed, and if they don't, then uh, you know we're, the one seed won't get sorted out until week eighteen, and and the Dolphins have to play the. Bills, I want to say they're, they're, they'll be at home for that one, and the Ravens have the Steelers at home. But again, they, they would have the head-to-head uh, tiebreaker go to the Dolphins. But either way, a uh, huge game in Charm City. The Ravens, three-point favorites in this one. Both teams obviously coming off of pretty marquee statement wins. The Ravens doing what they did on, on Christmas night against the 49ers and uh, the the Dolphins finding a way to to beat the Cowboys there. Um, you know the Cowboys have kind of been characterized as the AFC version of the Cowboy, or the D- Dolphins have been characterized as the AFC version of the, of the Cowboys, where uh, they can really uh, put put a team through the wood chipper if if it's a bad team. Uh, but their their track record of going on the road and beating good teams specifically has been uh, less so. Um, but you know, this could, I don't think it's a letdown spot for Baltimore because they know what's on the line. But I mean, it's going to be hard to, you know, after a short week, have to defend this Dolphins offense. Yeah, um, this it's, it, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, just exactly what state Devin HN and Raheem Mostert are in. If this is a Jeff Wilson offense to any significant extent, then that that's a big knock i think to to the dolphins i know uh the gospel nowadays is running backs don't matter but you can see that at least in the way that the the dolphins build their offense with just the speed variable from the backfield being just almost insurmountable for a defense after they make their attempt to to contain tyree kill and jalen waddle like this this running back question for this offense is pretty it's substantively huge it's it's you know the difference between uh a chan and Mostert doing what they've done this year Mostert being a you know 20 touchdown running back on a high yards per carry you go to a guy who runs a four five eight or whatever wilson does like those numbers are going down and it won't matter if the passing game could pick up that slack 
or it won't matter if the defense picks up that slack, but the rushing production between A-Chan and Mostert is so uniquely high value that it's it's just uh it's it's in my opinion kind of kind of a little hasty to assume that that they'll that they will be able to just withstand that and s- still maintain the nature that we've come to expect this year because it, it it's dependent on that speed and you know having a 20 touchdown running back having having two running backs who are averaging you know six plus yards per carry the whole offense looks different if you just subtract that and I, I do think Wilson is um he's not as bad as Ahmed but he's he's just not a he's not a fast running back he doesn't really he doesn't have explosiveness he's just kind of steady at best so I think that's that actually is like a momentous question for for this matchup uh, because if you have to, if you make two, a just throw against this Ravens defense without a run game to set him up at all, I don't know. That's, uh, he, he'd probably be fine more or less, but that Ravens defense actually tends to get tougher yet when they're at home. So th- this is, a I can imagine this being more of a defensive game than anyone would like to see, but I still got to lean the Ravens. I, I do too, and I, I think you got to be concerned if you're the Dolphins for you know not, not just the the running back situation, but if you do get in a uh, sort of one dimensional attack where where you're just passing, the Ravens' pass rush is insane. I don't quite know how um, because there's there's no true great you know like classic Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt type of guy, but Clowney, Clowney, yeah, Clowney's like kind of after um... it. He was annihilating Trent Williams on a couple plays. I guess he he was playing hurt for a while or something. But uh, yeah, Clowney was driving back Williams in that game quite a bit. Right, Matabike generates the pressure up the middle, um, so that, that's an issue for for the Dolphins as well. Like there's there's nowhere to to run and hide uh, necessarily. So th- th- I think the pass rush for for Baltimore is really a huge factor in this one because I don't, I don't find their secondary personnel to like no one matches up well against a receiving core that has Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. But um, once you get past Humphrey, it, it gets a little bit dicey as far as that corner personnel goes. But the pass rush is getting home. That that matters a lot less. Um, and then on the Raven side of things, I mean, it, it's so tricky to predict on a week to week basis, like which which guy is going to have the benefit of, of the good Lamar game. I expect Lamar to obviously have another good game here, but. Um, you know, whether it's a flowers, whether it's Isaiah likely, I mean, it, it changes so often. Are there any soft spots that you can you can kind of pick out um, in the in the Miami secondary that that might put a green light up one of those Baltimore pass catchers? Well, I think it's safe to assume that Vic Fangio won't be leaving, especially Howard, but even Ramsey. I don't think he wants to leave in, you know, press man, one high coverage. Not not these days anyway. So I think like most games, the Dolphins are going to, and also uh, to kind of account for the Lamar rushing threat, they're probably going to want to keep their defensive backs watching Lamar Jackson, uh, which probably requires a bit of a cushion so that they can, uh, you know, have, have the space in front of them to buy them the time to, to watch the quarterback instead of having to watch the receiver and prepare to, you know, switch from their back pedal to turning and running. Uh, you want to if if you're if you're Vic Fangio, you probably want to keep Ramsey and Howard facing forward as much as possible. So if they are doing that, um, if the, if they're not getting it into you know a more of like a press man kind of look, that probably suits Zay Flowers drawing targets because they're kind of inclined to throw those underneath targets to him anyway. And if the cushion's big, one way you make the cushion go away is just throwing some quick 
passes to the receiver until they bring the corner up to the line of scrimmage. So uh, like against the 49ers, this was largely the case too, I think. And it was kind of surprising to me. I thought they would be more attacking on defense. I bet then if they see them in the Super Bowl, they will call a different looking game because obviously the results weren't very good. But what the 49ers were doing was they were dropping back quite a lot, quite quite quickly into snaps. They'd be dropping back. And, and also they looked like kind of vanilla coverages. They didn't seem to be all that disguised or anything. And um, Lamar just, uh, of course, in general, kind of just took a hatchet to all of it. But yeah, uh, specifically, a lot of the targets were going to flowers because of the I think in part because of those cushions. So it could be another like heavily targeted game for, for flowers. I, I think the I think the case is as simple as when there's cushions and this, those underneath targets of flowers are there, the Ravens will take it. But if they see more of a press one high kind of look, then it becomes important for Beckham to step in because I, I don't really think flowers has that much of a downfield game. And it's, it's Beckham that we've seen getting past the corners into those slants that get toward the safety and down the field. So uh, with that said, I don't know if the Dolphins run things in a way where it would be a Beckham game. It seems like it would sooner be like another Flowers game. Okay. Uh, as the Rolling Stones once said, give me Zay Flowers. They said they that. Said, they said dead flowers, but I oh. say Zay Flowers. Um, I don't know. I've been workshopping that one in my head since the Ravens drafted him, and uh, it <laughs> fell flat, you know? It, it fell flat. But, Sorry, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Philistine. I, don't, I didn't know that one. Oh, that's it. Dead Flowers is a good one. And then uh, Towns Van Zant cover of it, the end of uh, Big Lebowski. Pretty excellent. Um, let's see here. A- Towns Van Zant covered the Rolling Stones? Yes. Oh, he wow. does a, a great rendition of Dead Flowers. So if you, if you haven't listened to that, anyone on, on the live stream or on, on listening on the pod, pause this. Go ahead. Do yourself a favor because um, it's tremendous. Um, I think beyond that, I... Really, it comes down to the the Ravens limiting the the big plays in the uh, in the Dolphins passing game. I, I'm not overly worried if I'm the Ravens about this Dolphins defense. I know it's played better of late, but I think the, the Baltimore's offense can hurt you in so many different ways, and and they they aren't so overly reliant on, on one guy other than Lamar Jackson uh, to get it done. To where it's like uh, I, I think Baltimore wins it, but I think we get um, a really good game uh, there on Sunday. Um, let's keep rolling here um well i want i kind of want to get some breaking news but it pertains to the last game so maybe we can go a little bit out of order if that's okay with you yeah totally okay well you want to guess who's starting for the vikings on sunday uh jaron hall yes breaking news from from ian rapaport as of 15 minutes ago jaron hall will will be started what's the point i mean Nick Mullins has been okay. He turns the ball over a lot, but I mean, he gets stuff out of uh, out of that offense in a way that Dobbs obviously wasn't. I mean, I I, I guess it, it makes sense to get a look at Jaron Hall, but like you still potentially have a playoff berth on the line here. So like it it would make sense to me to start Jaron Hall in Week 18 if they if they were to lose on Sunday against the Packers, but. With the season on the line going to Jaron Hall, I, that's kind of a wild move to me. In in the sequence they went, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like uh, the best, the most charitable read I should say you can give them is like O'Connell's admitting that he was wrong and he is trying to correct it by making this move. Um, it is possible, of course, that it's that it's not the right move. 
but I didn't understand the decision in the first place to go with Mullins. It seemed to me like O'Connell, not that he's tanking now by going with Hall, but at the time I think he must have assumed just, oh, well, Mullins is the veteran. This is the best way to make a playoff push. You got to go with the veteran. And you normally would go with a veteran because of their ability to to provide like stability to an offense uh, to keep the team consistent and, and hopefully just good enough to, to, to win. Mullins is more of a destabilizing presence though. I mean, with his turnovers, I mean, he's already got six turnovers and 82 passes. Uh, that's interceptions. I should say, which is a pretty uh, a non-viable rate of turning the ball over. So the, the big plays are cool, but I mean that that Lions secondary sucks, and the or sorry the corners aren't aren't very good downfield anyway. And uh, the Bengals defense from Week 15 also not very good this year. So those are two relatively easy matchups. He's got all the ammo in the world between his receivers and you know before his injury, Hawkinson. So I can see that Mullins kind of blew it, or personally that's how I see it. So I can I can see O'Connell feeling just kind of compelled just in general, but also just kind of seeing like. Oh, maybe Hall actually is the more stable of the two, and I think he is because it's it's just hard to turn the ball over as much as Mullins does. Yeah, that I mean that was you know the the yardage was great in both of his two starts, but the the turnovers were extremely costly in in both instances. So I mean, if you want more of a caretaker, then I, I suppose Hall can pr- provide that. Um, but and Hall can sling a little bit too. You know, it's like he's not he's not like the uh, the kind of gunslinger mentality as Mullins, but he's definitely no coward with the football. It just just seems like he. Uh, I don't know. I think he could work out pretty well, actually. Especially since yeah. Green Bay is such a mess. No, I, I liked I liked him uh, coming out of BYU. Um, I wasn't surprised that he was a, a day three guy or whatever. But um, that there's definitely something uh, to his game, and he, he's pretty mobile. Uh, two yeah. if memory serves so that there's some some interest there i, I think I think he's like a four per- six guy so perhaps enough to to captain him up in, in a in a little dfs showdown on on sunday yeah. night um let's see but but beyond that you know what what are the what are the impacts for for this game specifically with with hall like do, do you feel like you want to scoop the the packers defense i'm i'm guessing no based on, on not, what, not- what we just talked about not to say you can't use them. It, it's not where I would try to go exactly, though. Just, the Packers have just kind of been a mess all year on defense, and the Alexander situation. Um, it, it's it's it doesn't seem to me like a, a group that's got its act together personally. No, no, it it, it does not. Um, as far as the Green Bay offense is concerned, uh, that this audio could basically have been clipped from any other week this year, but the Packers. Pretty banged up as, among the uh, the skill position group. We got uh, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, all on the injury report this week, and both of the top uh, running backs as well. Yeah, the Vikings are pretty beat up too, including their top corner Byron Murphy missing practice yesterday. So that's worth keeping an eye on. Uh, the guy that was playing uh, for Murphy last week, Mackie Bla- uh, Blackman, he's also not practicing as of yesterday, so there's, there's a bit of a corner, ongoing corner situation there. I think the Packers' offense should more or less be what it is should and you know could be in this game, since Jaden Reed looks like he should be back. Aaron Jones, you know, he he looked pretty good, knock on wood, last week. So him, 
Reed and uh, Dobbs, in my opinion, is plenty. At least if, if Jordan Love has is uh you know one of his better days or at least not one of his worst days, that should be enough among the pass catchers. It looks like they might get Musgrave back. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know if I believe that he's better than Kraft, but uh, I guess it can't hurt to have him back either. Oh well, I mean, would would that knock? craft i know a lot of people probably kind of t- turned to craft as a as a tight end solution late in the season but yeah if, if um if musgrave is back then that that makes it a lot a lot more of a muddy picture um you know as far as the the vikings being as beat up as they are you know what what do you make of um you know all the injuries going on in that minnesota room you know starting with hawkinson moving on down to some other guys being banged up i mean i've seen a lot of kj osborne mentions in in the chat for for instance yeah uh i mean it doesn't look like addison is gonna play is it uh i guess they called him day to day but i don't know when you get ruled out that quickly with an ankle injury I, i feel like you're you're pretty lucky to play in the next 10 days so osborne should play a lot more snaps uh than he had been i mean his issue is that he's just not that good and he he'll especially start to turn into a pumpkin when the defense has the time the resources i should say to pay attention to him uh, the lions you know they're, they're not a very good secondary i guess it's it's possible that the packers is bad enough at this point for, for osborne to do well um uh, I, I think I think he's he's probably like a top thirty five ish receiver. Uh, the, the Hawkinson absence that that's like ten targets a game right there. So I don't doubt that just uh, Justin Jefferson could get like fourteen fifteen targets in this game. But if they throw the ball as many as twenty five times, it's it's kind of difficult to budget that without getting something like at least five targets to Osborne. I guess Powell could do more too, but. Uh, He's yeah, he's he's it, it was easy to miss this when Addison was healthy. Osborne was not really playing that much because Powell had kind of displaced him from the slot. So right. uh, Powell being in the slot, he he, he um, I view him on a per snap basis, like a similarly that I do Osborne. It's just playing the slot. Powell will not play as many snaps as Osborne. OK, all right. Good, good breakdown there. So Osborne is officially on, on the radar uh, just like he seems to always be at the, at the very end of the year. The Vikings just generally always have like the, these guys that you've never relied on to this point. And then all of a sudden you need to start Mike Boone uh, to win your fantasy championship. Um, it, weird how that works out. But um, anyway, that that uh, the spread in that game got the Vikings as one and a half point favorites, but probably expect that to to change a little bit here uh, in light of that quarterback move, I would guess. Um, let's keep going here. Let's get back to the afternoon. Patriots bills. We got the bills as 12 and a half point favorites. The over under in this one set at 40 and a half bills. You know, they, they escaped last week against the chargers expect them to be better at home. They did lose to the Patriots earlier this year. That that's, I think when, when the panic officially set in for, for Buffalo, um, but you know the the Patriots look a lot different now. Maybe in a positive way, though. I mean, they they've won a couple of their last games. They they went into Pittsburgh and they won. They they went into uh, Denver and won. So I mean, they're they're not quite as hopeless as you know it seemed to be in say November. Um, but still, 
a little tricky, tricky to, to trust them, especially with the Bills having uh, everything on the line as far as a playoff spot uh, is concerned. So I feel like this is going to be a pretty good day for Buffalo. It could be. Um, I think their problem is their offense still is not what it should be. And in in some games where their offense sort of fails overall, they'll, they'll, they'll eke it out by Josh Allen just sort of picking up the the slack and uh you know bridging the gap on his own but the Patriots defense can be kind of challenging uh their offense of course is just hysterically bad yeah um yeah even though Bailey Zappi's still kind of like playing all his cards right it's it's crazy to watch just the peril of of just normal throws with him it's just even the plays that work out it's just so close to being a total train wreck over and over and over um he's he's figured out how to play within these constraints but i i definitely worry that a a defense like this will um take away that that little margin that that he might be eking out over and over it's just it's probably not going to be there here so patriots are on shutout watch on offense i suppose but (laughs) the the bill's Offense, I, I think, could still struggle a bit here. The, the way, I guess, that it would go wrong uh, wrong for the Patriots, right, for the Bills, is if Stephon Diggs can somehow get going. And at this point, I don't really know why it's been this difficult. It's, it seems like it, it's uh, it's almost, you know how the Jaguars offense all year, John, we've said it's like every single play feels like they're just grinding it out through the just, it, it, like, it, it takes like a, it's like a harrowing just, um, like dangerous and and you know specialized tasks to get like a seven yard gain as the, in the passing game and it's like Stefan Diggs is pl- seems to be playing in that game right now and everybody else in the Bills offense is not like he's every single throw to him seems like it's just such a challenge to get him the ball and um, I think that's got to be mostly just defenses rolling coverage his way and selling out with impunity but. I don't. Maybe the Patriots are just too beat up at this point to to do that successfully. Maybe, maybe they um, make the mistake of just trying to play like press man coverage without giving a ton of help against Diggs and Diggs annihilates them that way. I mean, that's that's kind of what happened. Uh, whatever it was, one or two years ago already. Um, that playoff game between the Bills and the Patriots, where Allen had like five touchdowns and just totally torched them from the oh, first yeah. drive because the Patriots were trying to play this press man coverage. And uh, that's that's not really what you want to do against Allen. You want to you want to drift back into zones and hope you can uh, make him spend time after the snap thinking about where to go. And you want that also gives the you know more freedom to uh, double digs and uh, pay more attention to, to Allen as a runner. So if Belichick calls it that way, a way that makes more sense to me, then uh, I could see Allen struggling again because he's he's not getting enough help. Basically, the way they design the offense that when they try to do this two tight end base where Gabe Davis is generally a decoy and like Dawson Knox's uh, targets are for some reason prioritized. Like that's, that's just, as we've said many times by now, that's a small field for the defense. They don't need to defend a whole lot. They can start to just jam up the places that Allen wants to go with the ball. And if he can't get somebody past that zone, then there's, there's just nowhere for him to go. He just ends up scrambling and all that. So, um, he should be able to pull that off here because again, the Patriots might literally get shut out, but I, I just worry it might be kind of like a, I don't know, tw- like a 20 to uh 
six or something kind of game rather than you know like a you know vintage Bills offense or whatever. It's that would still get the Bills uh, the cover. I think I think that that's the direction I'm I'm leaning in as well. Even Fair though the, the Patriots aren't quite as dead uh, as as I thought, but they're Close still enough. they're pretty dead. Um, let's get on to our next game, but before then, we get a message from our friends over at Odds Are. Are you ready to revolutionize your sports betting approach? Begin with a two-week free trial at oddsr.com, where cutting-edge AI technology sharpens your edge in the betting game. Benefit from our proven two-year track record boasting a 60% accuracy rate and an impressive 10% ROI. The Oddsar AI meticulously sifts through extensive data to reveal high-value green plays guiding you towards smarter betting decisions. And it's not just about the numbers. The Odds Are app is exceptionally user-friendly, crafted to be your go-to betting advisor right at your fingertips. Jumpstart your journey to being a smarter sports better. And more successfully, simply visit the iOS or Google Play Store, download the Odds Are app, and step into a world of confident betting. Your path to a more strategic betting experience starts with our two-week free trial. Download today where smart strategy triumphs over luck. And we also got a message from our friends over at Smash Up, Smash Up Fantasy Sports to be specific. Are you one of the many sports fans who are not ready for the fantasy season to end? I know I'm not. Then you have to play Smash Up Fantasy Sports, the fastest growing free game. In Smash Up, your traditional fantasy team gets supercharged by Smash Cards, which are like video game power-ups that you pick up to boost the scores of your players or even your entire team. Think your kicker is going to have a big game? Then choose a card like Big Kick Energy to power them up. Are you starting Justin Fields? Then play Scramble Spikes to score more from his running. Paired with cool video game-like visuals, Smash Up is the biggest innovation in fantasy sports in a very long time and really feels like it was designed for sports fans. And here's the best part. You can play for free and win fantastic prizes. No credit card needed, no hidden fees. All users receive three entries per week, but with our code ROTOWIRE, you'll unlock a fourth entry every week through the Super Bowl. And if you use your promo code or join the group ROTOWIRE from your profile, you can play against us in our private tournament for a chance to win a free ROTOWIRE fantasy football subscription. I have to jump in on that. Enter now at smashupsports.com. That's smashupsports.com and join the future of fantasy sports. All right, we are moving on. We got the Bears and the Falcons. Speaking of Justin Fields, the Bears, three-point favorites. Both these teams won uh, fairly convincingly this past week, if memory serves. Uh, This one being in Chicago. I don't know. I'm optimistic about Chicago. I think that that they get this done. I know that the Falcons have the, the annoying sort of Jekyll and Hyde. Sometimes they decide to play pretty well. Other times they lose to the Panthers uh, type of dynamic to them. Um, But I I think at the very least, when they have a good week, it's almost always followed by a bad week. So I I do like Chicago in this spot. Yeah, uh, I feel like uh, the Bears just have the better team. I know the Falcons defense has gotten some good results of its own this year. Maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but I don't see AJ Terrell as an obvious like DJ Moore stopper. Don't ask me how DJ Moore didn't do more against the Cardinals. I, I, if I had to guess, it would just be that, the, the, you know, there were too many other things that were easier 
for the Bears to do, so they they just kind of took those easier. The things. ankle was kind of messed up too. Oh, okay. So um, if he's uh, let me see the injury report. Um, oh, I guess there's there's nothing really noted. Yeah, I think he's I think he's gonna be fine. It was just like for, for that game on Sunday, if you needed him, that was tough because I think it happened pretty early on. He came back in, but obviously wasn't himself. Okay. Well. I still, I, in any case, would put him as a receiver higher than I would AJ Terrell as a corner. So, uh, playing in Chicago probably helps their the Chicago defense more yet. So, the one thing that makes me pause and wonder is uh, the Bears line is not moving, even though nearly seven out of ten of uh, the public agrees with with the you know this this optimism for Chicago here. So. Um, I don't think. Granted, I you know I thought the Colts were gonna, at least before the Pittman uh, deactivation, I thought the Colts were gonna win uh, last week. But uh, this doesn't seem to me like a, a, a game where the Falcons can come out ahead because uh, the Chicago run defense has been pretty good. Taylor Heineke, I don't know. I I I, I can see it being a game where either team can win by uh, because of either team, uh, both teams being bad on offense and just, you know, coming down to a coin flip of uh, who has the ball last or who can make the longest field goal or whatever. But I just think the gap between fields and Heineke is too much and the defense is grade too similarly. The, the running games don't grade that differently. I mean, I guess you'd take the Falcons just because, you know, Robinson and uh Algier are more talented than Foreman and Herbert or whatever else. So uh that though doesn't get anywhere near the to, for me anyway, it doesn't get anywhere near the gap between Fields and Heineke. No, that that's a that's a pretty significant chasm uh between those two. As far as Algier goes, I, I've definitely noticed some some interest in him uh in in the chat, uh just wondering if the if he could be uh flex viable this week. But my, my concern with him is it's like like he can have weeks where where he's productive enough to be a starter, but like you just you never know when it's going to be. Right, and um, I mean, I guess you could say he has a certain workload assurance. Like he's almost always in that ten carry kind of range. But when he has a good game for fantasy purposes, it's because he scored a touchdown, and he only has you know four on the year, only three last year. So I. Uh, I think he's the, the kind of guy that sometimes you just need to play because you don't have any other options like because you uh, drafted Nick Chubb and J.K. Dobbins, but you're not you're not really looking for a reason to get him on the field, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't uh, think so either. And then uh, do you think Khalil Herbert can have another strong game? Uh, I don't know. Uh, the I guess the Falcons run defense has been really tough this year. I I don't know how. I really don't understand it. They, like, I, I still don't even remember who their linebackers are, uh, but apparently they're doing a good job. So it's it's a brutal matchup, and it's not as if the Bears' run game has been consistent this year. It's like we know Herbert and Foreman can run a little bit, but they also have their games where no one's really doing anything, still splitting the snaps two or three ways. So uh, I like Herbert enough. I I, I I think him and Foreman can both run, but I, I don't know if they, the Bears offense can run as well as the Falcons can defend the run. And that's all before you get to the question of who knows how they're even going to distribute the usage. Yeah, exactly. It's it's definitely a muddled backfield, one that I I stayed, a one, stayed away from in, in best ball just because it was there was no clear guy and the guy seems to change almost week to week. 
Um, let's go Titans Texans. Got the Texans installed as four and a half point favorites. Seems like things are trending in the right direction for one. Uh, CJ Stroud. And then on the other side, um, do you know what the latest is with, with uh, Will Levis? It looks like he's fully participating in practice, actually. So I just answered my own question. Well, I guess he should be fine then. Uh, not sure it really matters to me. Uh, as far as like projecting the Titans anyway, I just think, um, I don't know. If, if, uh, if, if Levis is better than Tannehill, then it's mostly just that Tannehill's completely crap in that case. Like, I, I just still don't really see a whole lot with Levis personally. So uh, if Stroud is back, I'm going to have to just pretty quickly assume Texans win. But granted, they're, they're, they're pretty beat up. Their defense is quite beat up. And in a way that might uh, take <laughs> to go back to that Derrick Henry versus Ty Chandler question when you got, um, let's see, John Greenard, Will Anderson, Malik Collins, all sh- and Sheldon rankings. I believe that's uh, all four starting down linemen for them are, are as of yesterday, we're not practicing. So that's something to keep an eye on if, if they don't, especially if Greenard is somehow out. I mean, Will Anderson is, in my opinion, an awesome prospect, and the those two guys are going to be like a Pat Swilling, Ricky Jackson kind of thing or something. But Greenard is maybe one of the – he's probably one of the most underrated defensive uh, players in the whole league. Uh, in two of his last three years, he's been on something like a 16-sack pace on a per-snap basis. So if him and Anderson are out, that pass rush just kind of disappears, and I don't know, maybe, maybe Levis can uh, do something with that. But I still lean, you know, it's like if the Texans got to score points because their defense didn't show up for injury reasons, I still like them because I think Stroud can do that. It's not hard for him, especially if Collins is playing at, you know, 90% or better. Right. So I think the Stroud development is big enough to where, you know, the the line has changed over over the course of the week in, uh, you know, in in response to that. I think it's gone up, I want to say, two full points um, or uh, if it, it opened at one, I'm a little bit off there, but it, it was three and a half earlier this week. Now, now it jumped up to five and now it's back down to four and a half, but either way, uh, that's significant in the sense that, that Stroud will be back. And, you know, when you look at how to attack the Tennessee defense, generally you would say just getting it, getting at them through the air is the way to go. And that, that obviously bodes well for Stroud, although I still feel okay about Singletary this week if I had to. Yeah. Um, let's see. Jeffrey Simmons is when he's not playing, it's, it's not necessarily the, the Titans run defense as you know it either. Right. So I think you, you still feel good about uh Singletary in, in that instance. Yeah. Um, let's see, as far as the, the Titans go, I, I mean, obviously we, we've talked about Henry still a startable asset, but, uh, you know, I, I guess you're probably having to start Hopkins if you have them, but beyond that, anything there? Uh, Hopkins is always such a tough one to call because especially in a case like this with corners like the Texans have, you'd you'd probably say, well, he's not going to get open. Then again, he doesn't need to get open. Some of his best you know, catches, plays through his career have been plays where he was well covered. So uh, it comes down to more so whether Levis takes the shot and whether Levis, you know, gets the ball someplace that Hopkins can get it. And I, I am nowhere near having any idea how to guess what, what Levis, the the Will Levis part of that. But yeah, Hopkins, 
it, to me is pretty much infallible. It's like even if he's covered, it's it's not an excuse to throw the ball anywhere else. No, I, I still love watching him play. Like uh, I don't watch the Titans all that closely yeah. <laughs> uh, most weeks, but for instance, uh, the Monday night game against the Dolphins is like, oh yeah, no, he's he's still got it. Like he's God, he's fun to watch. Um, let's see here. Let let's uh, let's get on. Oh yeah, and I guess a, a smidge of a revenge game for him too here. Um, let's go Raiders Colts. Tricky one. Colts, you uh, you never know what to expect from them. Uh, you know that they. they uh, or I was surprised that the Falcons were favored last week, and and then all the money was on the Falcons, and then you know I ended up lo- looking like a bozo well, there. Of Pittman, course, Pittman being out changed a lot though because they're the the Colts offense is so centrally channeled. Like there's there's just basically Pittman and Downs catching passes, and then there's the run game. You know so. Uh, it would have been like removing Michael Irvin from the Cowboys offenses or something. It's just like, oh, right. That's there's a third missing all of a sudden and there's just nothing to replace it with. Right. So that 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 made it really tough for Indianapolis, of course. Uh, is he looking like he'll be back uh, for this? Well, week? He's, he's I believe in the same practice pattern as last week, which is to say shown as limited participant Wednesday. So. Uh, yeah, if Pittman's out, even against the Raiders, that's enough to kind of, if you, if you are assuming that the Colts will win with Pittman, it's like him sitting out is plenty good, uh, basis, I think for going, Oh, never mind. <laughs> maybe, maybe they won't win this one. Yeah. So that, that, um, yeah, we, we know what it looks like with Sands Pittman, uh, of course. And then, you know, on the, on the Raiders side, I mean, it wasn't a beautiful offensive performance from them, but they, they found a way, uh, to, to beat the chiefs on, on Monday. Yeah, Antonio Pierce is awesome, and it's 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 because of guys like him, especially that it it's it's why I'm so critical with some of these other coaches. You know, like a Press Taylor or something. It's like you watch some coaches in their off uh, whatever unit it is that they coach. They they seem to just need so many excuses for things going wrong. It's like they they can't just they can't just get their players to overachieve and it's 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 uh made as if it's like the players not executing or something and then antonio pierce can take this josh this godforsaken josh mcdaniel's raiders team uh put uh officer farva or whatever at quarterback and then go beat patrick mahomes at arrowhead with a bunch of nobody back josh jacobs is out he uh, Devonte Adams has been reduced to nothing by between the quarterback and the and you know the weather the venue all of that he still finds a way to kick in the teeth this Chiefs team that has every structural advantage toward its benefit and like I'm also criticizing Andy Reid for this is like Antonio Pierce is a better coach than Andy Reid we saw it proof positive in that game and that someone might say like well that's just one game like it is such a, a, a remarkable one game though we can take and also it's it's worth remembering you know Andy Reid basically was just a, a choke artist before he had Patrick Mahomes so oh, wow. um I mean he, he got ran out of Philadelphia for his oh, totally receivers and, and not knowing how to run the clock which it was funny how quickly that came back up in that game is like that last <laughs> uh they had like two two minutes and 45 seconds left and they're just kind of like huddling trying to catch up from two scores down and like uh <laughs> Is Andy Reid the coach of this team? It's like they're yeah they're they're not they're not moving the ball like they they're they're, they're moving the ball like they they got ten minutes instead of two. Um, anyway, uh, Antonio Pierce showed what it, what a real coach can do. You know he 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 is getting that team to overachieve every single week. It's not smoke and mirrors. It's it's not gimmicks. It's just 
he's getting everybody to play better. And uh, that makes them really dangerous. I mean, I think Shane Steichen's a great coach. I'd, I'd probably guess Steichen's a top five, six coach. I think it's pretty clear by now that Pierce is a top 10 coach himself. And uh, the, the Raiders, would, Mark Davis would be, even by his own standards, like an all-timer clown to not keep Pierce as the head coach of that team because he's, oh. he's done just an awesome job. Yeah, I think, you know, these last two weeks specifically, like you, you get shut out against the Vikings. How do you respond? You drop 63 points on the Chargers, get Brandon Staley fired and the GM fired in one fell swoop. <laughs> and you then you go into Arrowhead on Christmas, you're 10 and a half point dogs and you win. You win straight up. Yeah, Pierce is the man like that. that it, it's been made t- too easy of a decision for Mark Davis, but either way, uh, I don't know. I, I got nothing against the Raiders personally. I, I, I think it's nice when they're when they're doing well. So uh, I will I will pull for, for Pierce and the Raiders. Um, but in this game, I think they absolutely could go into Indianapolis and win this one. Indianapolis generally this year hasn't been like unbeatable um, at, at home by any means. So you get three in the hook. I, I think the Raiders can do it. But from a fantasy lens, um, you know, J- Josh Jacobs still dealing with that quad. If he's out. Uh, what what do you think of Zamir White after getting like a, a bigger sample of him this past week? I don't like this matchup as much. Um, the the Chiefs I think are a good defense, but they're better I would say as a pass defense and kind of like as a pass rush sort of than as a run defense straight up. The Colts are almost the opposite, or they're, they're sooner the opposite than uh, what the Chiefs present, and specifically having Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner. Anytime those two guys are active, the Colts' run defense is good. Like you don't need to know any other details. If those two are in, they're tough. So um, I could see if if White gets the chance to accumulate like twenty plus carries, then maybe like he did against the Chiefs toward the end, maybe he can break some longer runs with the defense getting gassed, but. Uh, I think in this game, it's more likely that White would be sort of touchdown dependent for fantasy production because I, I can't really see him getting over like 70 yards or something. Yeah, I I don't really either. So so I think touchdown dependent is, is a good uh, kind of characterization for him. Uh, our, game, our guy James uh, writes in, this is my favorite show all week and uh, gives us some credit for helping him get to Thanks, uh, championship in a couple of leagues. So. Big thanks, James. We appreciate you chiming in on the chat and listening uh, every week. Uh, we got, uh, I like this. This is galaxy brain quarterback stuff. So <laughs> with injuries, th- this guy is down to some rough, rough options. So we got to pick two out of this group. Okay, we got this Bryce is Young. A, this is truly a quarterbacks don't matter championship team. Which which the best kind. And two quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, so double it up, baby. So we got... Bryce Young against Jacksonville, right? Um, we've got Easton Stick in the Chargers. We've got uh, Tyrod Taylor going up against the Rams. Jared Stidham taking over for Russell Wilson. Jacoby Brissett against the Niners. That That's going to be a hard no for me there. And Jaron Hall against the Packers. I think I got to say no on Young almost no matter what. I know he had the big game, but I don't know. I that, that was some Chark magic in that one, and uh, I don't know. I I guess Chark has the revenge game narrative. Maybe I shouldn't be so quick. <laughs> um, but w- so Easton Stick, are we th- are we thinking him for one of them? Just because uh, the between the Chargers still throwing a lot and the Broncos defense not being so great. Yeah, and there 
even though he hasn't really gotten to show it or the, the Chargers have been too dumb to realize it, but he can run. So, I mean, he was running a little bit. I, I, I really do think it that must have been a Staley special, you know, like zero, mm-hmm. zero rush attempts on 40 passes for the guy who who's a, a wide receiver who can't throw the ball. But yeah, last week they got him seven carries for 25 yards on a touchdown. More of that. Uh, maybe maybe the best of both worlds, even against the Denver defense that that wasn't so great all year. But the, the picking the second one is tougher for me. Is between I guess Stidham Hall. Uh, I guess I don't know how to I don't know what to think of Tyrod, but I'm I'm not like flocking toward it exactly. If you want to uh, just kind of turn up the heat on yourself, you start Stidham and and stick against each other. Yeah, um, you, your your entire season rides on. The, the Broncos Chargers game with two backups. Yeah, I think for that reason, I would personally lean halt. Like, so I don't think O'Connell's going to go like run heavy just because he had to switch quarterback. I think O'Connell, as he showed with Dobbs, who he was also calling a lot of passes with, O'Connell's a 40 pass attempt per game kind of coach. Like, he just, he always wants, it's in his nature to, to, to do that. So uh, between Hall being able to run a little bit, the Packers being just kind of a mess. I would go with Stick and Hall, I think, but Stidham uh, very much the close third, I think. Yeah, Stidham, you know, he looked good at the end of last year around this time when when uh, he had to come in, I, I guess, for for the Raiders. Um, yeah, he but... led one game against the 49ers or some really good defense, uh, which made no sense at all. No, it, it, he, he perplexed And then me turned into a pumpkin no the next game immediately. Right, yeah. right. And the, then the, the Chiefs, I think, were just dunking on. They were doing like, uh, like having Mahomes like throw it from you know behind his back and it just lands in like uh, yeah, globe trotter Anthony Sherman's uh, bread basket or something or whoever that that fullback they used to have was. Um, okay, onward. Let's get Panthers Jags. So we were we we're just on the topic of Bryce Young a little bit. It's just hating. Yes. Uh, would you care to continue? Yeah. Yes, the, the Jags deserve a lot of it, but we'll we'll open the 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 hate session with with uh, with the Panthers. Well, yeah, uh, Bryce Young. It was good to see that game from him last week. You, you were, uh, you know, getting to the point where it was kind of hard to watch because you're you're just like worried that there was psychic damage, emotional damage occurring to Young. Um, you know, which he which he doesn't deserve, and it's for all these things that he has no control over, didn't ask for. So uh, that game against Green Bay was pretty important for him, uh, just to kind of keep himself from going crazy. Probably, however. I still don't know how much is really there. I mean, the Packers have been a mess on defense all year. Uh, apparently, Jair Alexander was like sabotaging the team or something. <laughs> um, so presumably that didn't help uh, get the defense, um, uh, you know, on schedule. So it is possible that that was the worst defense that Young will see all year, you know, last week. And the Jaguars defense isn't unbeatable or anything but i think when it's healthy it is quite good like probably a top 10 sort of defense and i guess we'll see about tyson campbell andre cisco i guess those are the only injured guys at the moment but if either of them is out that's a big loss to that defense if camp campbell's their number one corner and cisco's i don't know i haven't watched him that closely but he's, he's probably one of the better safeties at, at least if you're you know the afc something like that so if those two are in, I think this Jags defense becomes tough enough again that I worry about Bryce Young just kind of being overmatched. But one thing I do want to say, DJ Chark 
is that good and it's ridiculous that he doesn't get more like purchase around the league it's ridiculous that the panthers were trying to get mingo going over chark all year when chark could have been doing you know stuff like he did last week the whole time and they they just said no thanks we don't don't, we're not into that so um I, I, I like Shark, but the problem is, like, even if he kind of stays rolling, even if Thielen and Shark both r- keep rolling, you're still at only something like 150 yards as an offense and uh, passing offense. I should say. And it's like, where, where do you think you're going to get another 40 from the like? There's just nothing going on there other than uh, unless they finally unleash my guy Raheem Blackshear in the backfield. There's <laughs> no way they're getting to 200 yards, even with Shark and Thielen doing well. Right. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to need their defense to respond. Um, you know, if the Jags have any pride left, they, they need to do- dominate this game defensively. And obviously Trevor Lawrence uh, dealing with the, with a shoulder and it, it looked like he was not present at the beginning of Thursday's practice. Uh, I, I don't think it'll matter that much in the sense of, um, the Jags offense has just been trash all year, right? And they've yeah. they've won some games all the same. So th- just like, uh, you know, the Falcons game, that one where it's like they won 24 or whatever to 13, the offense sucked, the defense carried them. That's what I think is going to happen here. So to me, it doesn't matter that much if it's Lawrence or Beathard. I mean, Lawrence is obviously the much better quarterback, but the press Taylor, Doug Peterson, offense is such a failure it is it is such a rotten premise uh poorly managed even beyond you know the inception of it it's just it's a categorical mess it is not competitively serious and so it it squanders its talent the talent doesn't really affect it either way uh positive or negative nope nope it does not uh so we'll, we'll keep a close eye on on lawrence as the as we get closer to kickoff, I, I imagine that that we're not going to know anything definitive until you know one of Rap Sheet or Schefter's uh, tweets late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, and if he is able to test things out uh, in pregame. But obviously, shoulder injury for a quarterback uh, just just a bit uh, concerning, and that that has ripple effects for guys like Calvin Ridley, uh, Evan Ingram, uh, if Lawrence is unable to play. But Lawrence has played through injuries these last few weeks and. Been, he's, he's been playing concussed yeah, yeah honestly um, yeah it's ridiculous i mean uh and it's it's such embarrassing uh it's such an embarrassing uh like fall from grace for doug peterson to be something like oh those guys aren't executing like man come on figure it out it's time to point the finger at yourself and if you don't have it if, you, if, you, if you're too spineless to do that just 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 leave get Step out of the side yeah yeah tired of that the Jags should be much better than they are it's it's frustrating um a team who's way better than they should be the Los Angeles Rams Mario I, I didn't even know which one of the next game he was Giants Rams they yeah both the are. Giants Rams I mean yeah the Giants are de- you know it's a it's a different scale um but yeah the, yeah the fact that they're uh you know like playing competitive if, if nothing else uh in recent weeks is impressive in the Rams. The Rams are starting to get that, that moniker of like the, the team that you don't want to play in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, or any round, I guess. I mean, Stafford, it was, it was hard to prove it, but it, it, I think given the way he has played lately, it, it, we can say now that in the first month of the year, when his numbers kind of looked ugly, 
he was playing way better than the numbers actually said and uh i started to lose the faith too after the, the next month or so because he, he kind of had a prolonged rough stretch like it didn't it didn't seem to turn for the better. And after a certain time, you're like, well, like, maybe his Babbitt really is just going to stay low all year. And maybe, 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 uh, maybe he lost something and that's why he can't drive the ball anymore. Uh, but I think it turned out uh, that no, he really was just kind of, uh, it was a combination of bad luck and, you know, some pieces around him being nicked up probably. And uh, him just carrying so much of the offense, like watching Stafford play quarterback this year, you could see, there was such an ambitious task put upon him. Like he, he was grinding out and carrying such a burden that, that doesn't show up in the stats. And it was like the opposite of the way Brock Purdy is with the 49ers. You know, it's like, everything's teed up for him. Everything is kind of low difficulty with Stafford. It's like, he, he just put it all on himself. They put all of the difficulty, all of the challenges on him. And, and we're seeing in the past uh, couple months, he's starting to break through it anyway. And they're starting to get it rolling and um, at this point, it's not so clear why it should stop, especially in a matchup like this. Or, or Actually, I guess I shouldn't say especially a matchup like this. The Giants defense has been getting better this year, especially against the pass. But since Stafford has weathered such difficult conditions so many times this year, it's it's in that frame, it's it's hard to see what would be so concerning about this matchup specifically. And as long as, you know, Stafford is doing what he's doing uh, and uh, Kyron Williams I think he's kind of going to burn out at some point, but he should be able to run the ball here. Like the, the Giants run defense is probably a little more vulnerable than the pass defense. So uh, the Giants can probably make a game of it, but it's just the Rams offense is like, a, it's a, it's a, it's a theory that is, you know, realizing itself in practice. And it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's balanced and it, it makes a lot of sense and it's easy to budget it continuing on this way. No, absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Rams for for this week. Um, what do you make of the the move from the Giants to go from uh, Tommy Tommy Cutlets to uh, Tyrod? Uh, we will always remember Tommy Lasagna and the great work that he did for the Giants, um, but he was never actually very good. And Tyrod Taylor probably is better, but of course, uh, it's a limited offense. You'd think, I guess. You know, guys like Slayton, Hyatt, they can get behind these Rams corners, but the Rams corners tend to have a lot of help and they tend to uh, play with cushions. And meanwhile, Wandale Robinson's not going to... If if you sell out deep against this Giants passing game, you kind of force them to go to guys like Wandale Robinson and I guess Waller more ideally. But um, the, the Rams, I think, are okay with that. They play that bend but don't break defense and... Uh, eventually it's, it's like Donald's going to get through the line and, and you can only check down so many times before you, you know, open up the, the pass rush or sorry, you open up, uh, your quarterback to that, that Donald pass rush, which, uh, that's a terrifying pass rush to, to have coming at you, especially like when you're the giants, like your offensive line being as bad as it is like that, that's yeah. the type of week where Aaron Donald can just wreck your entire game. Um, so yeah, I think that this could be slow moving as far as the, uh, the giants offense is concerned and yeah, the Rams are just, they're rolling right now. I, I, you know, McVay's a hell of a coach and, uh, for, for them to yeah. get, get this out, out of that collection where, you know, I, I think that other than like them and like the Buccaneers, those are the two teams that coming into the year, it's like, what exactly are they doing? Like what, what's yeah. the, what's the direction? What's the premise? What are we thinking? 
for for this year. I mean, there there is Aaron Donald and nobody on that defense, and that that still might be true. But they're they're playing reasonably well, and on offense, you know, Stafford has had the the renaissance. He's been able to stay healthy, thankfully, and and uh, you know, getting Puka Nakua has just you know really taken the pressure off of Cooper Cup, carried the passing game through the early part of the season. Um, you know, Kyron Williams doing what what he's been doing. Like it, it's just it's pretty unreal stuff what, what's going on with, with the Rams. So um, I, I expect that to continue this Sunday. i uh, got a few more games to, to rip through here. We've got uh, the Cards and the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles, 10.5-point favorites in this spot. Generally, like I, I would not want to uh, back the, the Eagles with that many points right now. I mean, not just for what happened on Monday, but that there, there seems to be something off. Uh, with, with them generally right now, but um, the Cardinals might just be that bad, unfortunately, to where you got to side with the Eagles. Yeah, the one thing I'll say is the, the Eagles fundamentally are are still uh, imbalanced as an offense. Like they they aren't capable of running and aren't interested and serious enough about running enough to get to the ratios that they had last year or the year before that. So they put Jalen hurts in a situation where he becomes less effective and in a way where it's like the matchup doesn't really change that. Like the, 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 the Cardinals here, in other words, sell out against the pass and just try to spam all the areas that they've charted hurts throwing to over the, over the year, he could probably run in those situations. It's you like the Eagles run and pass game, both against the Cardinals defense, but it's only, uh, how do you say this? It's 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 all like a theoretical advantage if you're putting them at a practical disadvantage by kind of like tipping off the play calls, basically. So I think the Eagles are being have multiple times by now faced the situation where the defense is daring them to run and the, the Eagles are kind of loath to do it. Like they want they want to make Hertz throw 40 times a game and run 10 times a game. They want him to take up, you know, 75 percent of the offense, which it's it's too much. It's not sustainable. Um, it makes even easy matchups needlessly complicated, but yeah, in this case, the the Cardinals defense is so depleted and like the the corner personnel is so lacking that, um, even if they sell out against the pass, they might be able uh, so they might not be able to really change a whole lot about it. So you definitely like Jalen hurts here, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's really frustrating because, uh, you can tell this team is not going anywhere. Like they, they are not. Uh, a serious offense, the way they run things. And uh, yeah, may- maybe yeah, the defense week. is taking a step back too. So, I mean, like well, it I, pretty much sucks on the yeah the secondary. I think the Eagles get no further than the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to put way too much on Hertz and uh, it's stupid too, because you're, you're seeing some of the criticism of him pick up and it's like, it's not his fault that the team is calling a stupid offense. Like it, <laughs> you could predict that we, we've seen Tom Brady, fall to low points when you know the the conditions are bad around him it's like quarterbacks and of course also quarterbacks don't matter it's all about the structure around the quarterbacks and uh the receivers the running backs that that lift the lowly quarterback up uh the the, assuming a quarterback can get a team out of uh, a predicament is just uh, to not understand uh 101 football it's it's wild to me in the first place that like i don't know the, the jalen hurts is even here um he couldn't throw the ball at Alabama, yeah, he like, could. whatsoever. Um, yeah. You know, go, goes plays at Oklahoma. Still kind of can't. Year. 
He's just like right. a high low. That's the problem is like he has he's a two pitch quarterback. You know, M- maybe we would say three, but he is not a four or five pitch quarterback. And if you make him throw more pitches or sorry, if you, if you throw too many pitches with only certain number of viable pitches to throw, you're going to start getting figured out. And then the defense is going to start sitting on your pitches and it, anybody, you know, is going to get rocked in that situation. No, it, it, exactly. So it, he, he's he's never been a like overly complete quarterback. And, and uh, you know, the, like you've been saying, like he's never been the guy that you you feel comfortable or should feel comfortable. The Eagles obviously do for whatever reason, just having him sit back Bad and throw it 40 times. Yes, they're, get, they're getting these running backs don't matter consultants and they're getting the results they deserve. Yep, and uh, speaking of which, uh, there are some questions in the in the chat about why they why they haven't used Rashad Penny. We are the worst guys to ask that because we don't know either. And uh, Uh, it's because they don't care about rushing production. Like they just they don't. They they care about aesthetic. They don't care about results. And uh, yeah, Rashad Penny is better in blitz pickup than Kenneth Gainwell. It's like there's just they just they decided like we want short legged running backs. That it's it's really unbelievably stupid, but. uh, it's it's all falling on Hertz. You know, these struggles that Hertz has been subjected to are specifically the gap between what Penny could have done and what they are instead getting out of him. It's uh it's confounding to, to That's why to they're not gonna the go anywhere, and I can't wait, no. honestly. Yeah, same. Tired of them. Um sorry, any Eagles fans on here, but you you've done it to yourself. Too loud, too obnoxious. Can't do it. Um let's go Saints Bucks. We got the Bucks two and a half point favorites. At home in this one, Bucks coming off of a demolition of the Jacksonville Jaguars this past weekend. Whereas yeah. the the Saint the Saints, um, you know, they they put up a fight, I thought, against the Rams, but but couldn't quite uh, get it done. They get a little bit of a rest advantage, of course, as a result with that game being last Thursday. Um, I don't, the Bucks are are hard to figure out, but I think it, it you know we're this far into the season, so you can't keep playing that game you kind of got to pick a side and i i i think the bucks are real-ish and i i think the the saints are uh, they're more on the fake end of the spectrum to saints me. are fake for sure um i think the buccaneers are a seven and nine team in the you know the old days of mm-hmm. 16 game seasons when i in my opinion the league was much more competitive overall it's the weakest NFL season I can ever remember. And uh, teams like the Buccaneers that are normally seven and nine are instead division winners. And not just that, like they have a winning record and uh, they beat other teams that we thought might be uh, not really Super Bowl contenders, but at least good, good enough to the point that we fav- we would have favored them pretty easily over the Buccaneers to start the year. It's like the Buccaneers have slightly overachieved and so much of the league has, has just been a no show, but uh, that, percentage of the league will stay not showing up and the Buccaneers I think their their formula is pretty modest like I, I don't really see the way they can generate much firepower against good teams but they're they're going to show up and be who they are and then there's a certain level of reliability with them that you can't really take for granted league-wide so uh, particularly with the Saints being one of those unreliable teams uh, even though they have so much more talent, in my opinion, than the Buccaneers and even most teams, the Saints are one of the most, uh, I, wouldn't, I guess not harmless is the word, but uh, they're one of the most like fallible teams in the league. Like they just they can just kind of screw up anything, no matter how much is in their favor. And uh, Dennis Allen is not a good head coach. It's it's a total circus over there. 
Derek Carr is a quarterback that no one on the team likes, and he tends to only produce when the game is kind of getting out of their reach and uh, the pressure kind of falls off him. That's that's when he kind of starts padding his numbers. And um, in this game, I guess uh, you know, the Buccaneers got to be careful. Like the Saints, the Saints defense is still more solid than it is, you know, vulnerable. It's just uh, Derek Carr is so bad. And if, if you just don't let Olave and Shahid torch you, you should be able to beat this team by just kind of, you know, tending to your basic chores. Yeah, I, I think the Bucks will will be able to to tend to said chores uh, this week. And then um, I, I would say of, of like the top 10 rounds or, or say rounds five through 10 in draft season. Outside of James Cook, I don't know if I faded anyone more than Rashad, Rashad White. My words have been eaten. He's been good. Oh, he's he's been getting a workload. Um, but yeah, it's the the workload will still be there since no one on the there, there's not another Tampa Bay running back that would really be on another roster in the entire NFL. So uh, I, I don't th- I don't see this as an easy matchup exactly. But White's point all year his his driving utility all year was always the volume. It's never been efficiency at any point. So. Uh, it's not like an actionable concern. It's just, uh, you know, he's, he, as long as he gets the usage, it won't be a concern anyway. All right, so calling my shot here. Um, Pete, the the Bucks, it would make sense. They add someone through the draft. I think this running back class is so bad that none of those guys, like I'm not the biggest Rashad White guy in the world, but people are going to be hyping. They're going to be Tank Bigs being for whoever no. comes in as no. uh, as, as uh, Rashad White's potential competition. I'll be all over Rashad White uh, uh, owning this backfield next year un- unless they, they get someone that's legit in free agency. Yeah, uh, I don't know. They probably got enough other problems that I... Although it is weird, they're, they're putting themselves in a bit of a limbo with Baker Mayfield because I, I think we all know he's not good. He's just... He was a steal for them at the price and the rest of the league overvalued quarterbacks like Daniel Jones, even though a player like Mayfield was clearly better, but now there's going to be that pressure to like commit to Mayfield and extend him. And um, I don't know. He's the kind of quarterback that I just kind of want to keep on a one year deal each year so that I can always be free to draft somebody else, but uh, they need a quarterback, but they're, they're going to kind of have the impulse and the expectation of trying to build to compete now. Uh, So yeah, I I guess, uh, a running back would be possible. I just, uh, it would, like you said, it'd have to be a pretty good one. And uh, at the very least, we'll we'll let you guys know if it's going to be a Tank Bigsby, Roshan Johnson type versus uh, someone who can actually play. Yes, we will let you know on that. We will spend months on that. Um, we will scream th- about it for many many months. What once you uh, once you dig into the draft stuff for for this year, I think you'll agree with me that this class is. Um, it's like the Texas guy who got hurt. He was the best one, right? Yeah, and like I wasn't even sure that he was that good. I don't know. The Texas offense is kind of instant results no matter who you are. Um, but we digress. Um, we, uh, we've been called out um, in the chat. Uh, haircut time, homie. I don't even know which one uh, that applies oh, to. I, I, we're both pretty shaggy mean, dogs right now. That's all right. But uh, bad news. I'm not, I'm not going to 
cut my hair for like six months or something. Yeah, I regret to inform you that I'm growing this sucker out. Um, let's go Niners, Commanders. Niners, uh, 12 point favorites on the road. Yeah, they should, uh, to, to whatever, whatever extent they want to, they should be able to dismember Washington. It's just, uh, with a team like the 49ers with their ambitions and, uh, you know, the, the things they have at their disposal, they don't really need to, to, to go into the bag for this game. They can run their preseason vanilla offense and defense and totally roll in this game. So, um, if I was if I was San Francisco, I'd I'd try to make this a pretty busy day for Jordan Mason to save you know Christian McCaffrey for more meaningful games. But safe to say, whatever they want to take, they'll they'll be able to take it. Uh, for that best ball team that I mentioned at the top, it has McCaffrey. So um, let, let's pump the brakes on that. We run him into the we, ground. You need Brissett to to do a comeback player of the year in one game so that they they give thirty carries to McCaffrey here need to see that um and and a team also has george kittle so more of that um preferably um but you know i I thought that or what was your takeaway from from monday night's game for for the 49ers and and like the the discourse uh that has followed because it's been kind of crazy and and (laughs) like it i I must have missed a lot of it but um well um let's see here so i was I was in Vegas the other day, right? And I'm sitting at the sports bar and d- down a few seats for me are some Niners fans. And I guess the bartender was a Niners fan. So I just fly on the wall as they're having this gigantic cope session about what had happened the, the night previous night prior. And the, the, by the end of the conversation, you couldn't even tell that the 49ers had lost. Well, I, I don't know what those. I don't know the contents of uh, it, the it was. It was a hundred percent. It's like oh, that is if if not for the turnovers, it's like but you can't take turnovers away. From right. It. I saw the thing too about uh, PFF and Kyle Shanahan characterizing it as two turnover turnover worthy plays for Purdy. It's like, yeah, okay. Uh, why not just say none? Why not? Why not say even the two interceptions weren't his fault either? I mean, if we're, yeah, why are we if we're laundering. Baby? If we're laundering it, then do the full job. Don't don't partially clean this and then hand it to me and tell me it's cleaned up. It's it's uh it's clear like he could have been intercepted five or six times. And uh this is this is something that even in Purdy's good games has been the case too. He's he is turnover prone. It's part of why the design of the 49ers offense demands that he throw the ball 30 or fewer times. It's because if you start to to mess with the ratios, it's it's like it's the same. A uh, statistical dynamic is when you take a platoon batter and then make them play against the handedness that they never do. It's like you, 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 you look at their, you know, a lefty guy going against righties. Like, wow, he's he's got like a 950 OPS. Why don't they make this guy go at bat 600 times instead of you know 280 or whatever? And it's like because if you do that, he's going to drop down to 210 in a month, and like mm-hmm. you'll basically just lose every game. So uh, with Purdy, it's like clearly his his the way that offense is built and the way he functions in it, he will make big plays very reliably as long as he is only being asked to throw something like 25 out of the 70 or so plays that they run. If you start making him throw 35 or whatever, things are liable to go sideways and specifically with turnovers, because I, I mean, I don't know exactly what it is about him. He, 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 at times at Iowa state would throw the ball a lot. Like he carried the offense for a year or two, but 
over the course of his career, the interceptions became more of a problem and the touchdown to interception ratio kept getting worse. And Mm -hmm. if you take him out of that comfortable situation and put him in situation more like the Ravens did and that coordinator McDonald's uh, done a really good job. I, uh, Oh yeah. I admittedly, I couldn't really see the vision for the way he was trying to build that defense, but it has, uh, it has materialized this year, safe to say. And, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, take back any questions now but yeah this this game though it's of course that the the washington poses no such issues so i fully expect purdy to get back to like four touchdowns on 25 passes in this game because they aren't going to need to throw the ball that much and um it's it's of course a defense that sucks so uh i think purdy can you know get them to the super bowl and win the super bowl it's just they need to run their offense uh, such that it's like he's he's a manager rather than the star of it. I mean, the star is everybody else, honestly. And and uh, they got to let the they got to hope the defense does a lot of lifting because if they get in a proper shootout, uh, I, I don't think it suits Purdy to play from behind. The, the one thing I'll say the uh, the 49ers defense, I, like we were talking about earlier, like I don't know why they're being so passive with their coverages. I don't think if if they play them in the super bowl it's going to be a lot more press man kind of stuff in my opinion which uh, may or may not work out differently yeah i, I guess my my thing about the niners and maybe i i lean too heavily on on this cuz it's kind of woo woo but uh you know i had the same concern about like the ravens in in 2019 where they were just blowing the doors off of everybody and and they they didn't face much in the way of friction during the regular season and the in the niners case like it does feel like they're either blowing a team out and it's a snoozer or things go wrong and they don't seem to respond well when, when like it's kind of a 50 50 game like that. They, they, they very much seem to be like they, they can go into Philadelphia and, and kill the Eagles and, and all that. But if like the Eagles had played their a game, you know, how would the, the Niners have been able to, to get around it and, and come out on top. So I'm, I'm a little bit lingering concerns in the long term for this Niners team, as far as the Super Bowl goes, just like, you know, it, you got to be able to to play or get it done when when things aren't going your way every single time. Yeah, I think the key was the the Ravens after the first drive or the first two drives where they did the three and out and the safety. Then the Ravens got rolling on offense and Purdy went from totally comfortable game script to having to actually produce on command, you know, uh, and with that, it all unraveled basically. So it, it, it feels, I, I know it, it, it feels like they're kind of either like they're uh, the binary of like either showing up and clobbering the other team or showing up and, and looking completely out of sort the whole time. But I, I think it's just, it's, it's just, a, it's a fragile like pivot point, right? Like, cause if, if, if Lamar had struggled, I don't think Purdy has those four interceptions. It's, mm-hmm. it's the part that the, it's, it's the Lamar part and the Purdy part, but if it, 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 Purdy's not stressed that way, those situations never occur. Right. He's forcing it. Um, I think they said some stat on the on the air that he has like a 9.0 YPA on passes thrown to the line of scrimmage. Uh, so, yeah, uh, figure it out, guys. Help. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Three more games to go. Rip through these. We got the Steelers and the Seahawks. Seahawks three point three and a half point favorites at home in this one. Steelers, you know, woke up last week with the change to Mason Rudolph. Uh, the passing game gets going. How much can we expect that uh, carrying over that this time around now that they're on the road against you know, what I think is on paper a better pass defense? 
Yeah, that was a uh, that was a weird game. The, the the latest Mason Rudolph showing. So um, he is definitely better than Trubisky. That we can I think take to the bank. But also that Pickens long touchdown. Even for Pickens, I know it's it's at least the second time he's had that exact same play happen. I can't remember the other time this year, but he had that other play where he caught a slant and then ran like 70 yards, which is not what Pickens' game is even supposed to be. But uh, Dax Hill totally screwed up on that angle in that game, and that, that should have been like a 10-yard catch, you know, and instead it was a, a long touchdown. So Rudolph can't count on that play happening. He's going to have to make something else occur to, to offset that. But um, – I don't know. Tra- traveling to Seattle is not that easy. Probably more the case later in the year. It gets more difficult. And they have just enough firepower on defense that I, I can see this being a kind of dangerous spot. Like, for instance, uh, while I'm a big Pickens fan, I don't think he can get anything vertically going against Tariq Woolen. You know, even if it's like that jump ball stuff where it seems like Pickens never loses. I bet against the six four guy with the the like thirty four inch arms who runs the four two seven that that's probably the one time you don't want to try yeah. that kind of play. Um, so Deontay Johnson might need to pick up a little more of the slack. I'm not his biggest proponent, so I, I don't take that as a slam dunk that he can. He can at times. He's, he's not bad or anything, but it's like a it's just really easy for him to turn ten targets into five catches for fifty yards. You know, and yeah. that's that's not going to do it. So uh, Seahawks. And they also got some guys up front, especially after that Williams trade. So I'd, I'd give the Seahawks the uh, benefit of the doubt because I, I think uh, their defense is good enough that I, I don't think we give Mason Rudolph the benefit of the doubt in the face of any Pickens yards after the catch regression. So uh, Sealer's backfield, I guess, needs to pick it up, pick up any resulting slack. Uh, they can. And I don't have a strong feeling about whether they will, but it, uh, you know, they can. I think. I think it just. For that scenario, they'd need to get another bad game out of Geno Smith, which you know might or might not happen. I don't really know. Yeah, that that's always a, a tricky one for me to figure out. Um, that like the this year, it's been really tough to to know when the Seahawks are going to be on on offense or, or just a disaster. You know, yeah. last week it was ugly, but the week prior it was was good, despite it being Drew Locke. I mean, it's crazy, but yeah, that this is a. Tough one to sort out. I'm excited for it. Four o'clock, so kicks off the uh, the afternoon window on Sunday. I think it should be a pretty good matchup. Let's go uh, Bengals-Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs touchdown favorites at home over the Bengals. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't know. Chiefs pretty much suck. Their offense is offensive. And uh, the, the one thing in this game is I, I think Rasheed Rice should be able to kind of bully Mike Hilton a little bit. Mike Hilton's a really good defender. It's it's not often that you'd say you want to target him, but he's he's like 5'8", 180 or something. Rasheed Rice is pretty big. He should be fine. The tight ends have been beating up the Bengals all year. So if, if Kelsey and Rice can both show up a little bit, that probably, I think, gets Mahomes into the territory where he has just enough rolling that he can kind of keep the defense where he needs to keep them. But if I'm wrong about that, if, if Kelsey especially has a delayed return here, then as we've seen the chiefs offense as an entire theory just kind of falls apart. Like it, it just, it, it immediately presents itself as a silly idea when Kelsey can't uh, carry it, you know, to the tune of 120 yards receiving on a 12 to 14 targets or whatever. So um, I don't know how I feel about the seven points or whatever. I, the, the reason I'd go chiefs to win, whatever the case is that uh Browning is, is going to have the field shrink on himself every game from this point. Like he can't throw, 
more than eight yards or so comfortably. You can see he needs like that wide open. He needs like the parted C and a perfectly clean pocket to take shots downfield. It's a little bit like a Bailey Zappi kind of thing. And yeah, Chiefs defense, I think, is tough against the pass. So th- this to me seems like a pretty dangerous spot for Browning. You still feel okay about starting Chase this week, provided he's in? He was practicing. Yeah, you got to start Chase, uh, even if it's like the punter at quarterback. Yeah, pretty much. Um, let's go to uh, our final game. We've got the Chargers and the Broncos. Uh, so a backup ball uh, coming in. We got yeah. uh, Stick versus Stidham, as we got as we the all good GM to. bowl. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, great job. By, by both those guys, those architects, these colossuses. Um, but we we have the Chargers checking in as three and a half point underdogs on the road. So about about standard what what you'd expect for for this one. Again, we we touched on it earlier. Stidham did well in mop up duty uh, last year, at, in at least one instance uh, for for the Raiders. Different team now, of course, but I don't know. I've I've some optimism, but like the something's just up with the Broncos. Uh, I think what happened this week uh, and and losing to the Patriots and everything that that's followed with the benching of Russell Wilson. I mean, it something's just stinky here. Yeah. uh, That, that would be the foundation uh, rotted. I think it's, uh, I don't know. It's such a stupid matchup because it's, you know, a preseason game with like two teams that don't want to play, but someone has to win. I guess, and uh, the the Broncos are willing and able to run it to some extent. Is I guess the reason I would lean their way. Like the Chargers, um, I guess with with Soy Boy gone, they've they've shown a little bit more of a focus in the, on running the ball. But the Broncos can do it better with you know Williams and P Ryan and McLaughlin than uh, I like Austin Eckler, but only for like ten carries a game, you know. And uh, right. they need more than that. The other guys can't do it. So I lean the Broncos, but. Uh, not, not because I think they're gonna like play su- such a great game or anything. Yeah, I just think that the Chargers are that dead. That last week was their chance to play spoiler. Both these teams are dead, so I mean it, it's hard to kind of pick which one is going to be trying harder. But um, you have quarterbacks that are playing for for ne- their next contract, so the effort shouldn't be an issue. But it, it should be a, a pretty uh, ugly game all around, and then. Uh, we already touched on the the Packers and the Vikings, so we have officially broken down the entire Week 17 slate. Mario, uh, really appreciate everyone coming on, jumping in, and uh, asking their their lineup questions. Hope we got to most, if not all, of them. So appreciate the the live streamers as always. And if you're listening on podcast form, appreciate you taking the time to to listen to our uh, epic hour and 45 minutes of talking about football. Every single week. Best of luck, everyone, in your fantasy playoffs. We're going to keep this thing going all the way through the Super Bowl. Actually, all the way year-round. That's what we do. We'll start getting into some best ball stuff, some draft stuff as the playoffs uh, get underway and and uh, and then as the offseason unfolds as well. So you can always uh, keep Rotowire in your uh, podcast rotation. But for Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. And also... If you want a little two-day free trial, try rotowire.com forward slash try.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.